<laughs> Somebody there we go. Yes, yes. There you exactly. go. Okay. It's Good funny. Uh, there's there's a mute button, but when it's lit up, it means it's not on mute. So I thought it was the other way around. It's opposite so, day. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't blasting it in my office, you know? No, you sound fantastic. Fantastic. You look fantastic. <laughs> Good Lord. Whew. I'm feeling fantastic now because I, this is, it's the end of my day. This is the fun part of the day. I get to hang out and chat with you all and have a beer or two. Awesome. I put a, I put a six pack next to my desk and I threw my jacket over it to keep it cool. Nice. <laughs> In case you the know questions what? get really hard and he's got a six yeah. pack. <laughs> yeah. You guys in Maine, you know how to, you know how to MacGyver everything, right? Like, I can make a cooler out of my underwear and then <laughs> paper clips. And you got to do it because I mean, in, the, in the middle of the summer, you know, I'll bring beer home from work and it'll be 110 degrees in my car. So I'm wrapping yeah. something from the winter around it to keep it cool. And then in the winter, <laughs> I'm wrapping stuff around it to keep it from freezing. And it's a battle. I mean, it's a constant battle here. It is a good, I mean, didn't you make like a cool ship out of like an old cattle trough or something? You just... Well, I mean, th th there is a little bit of a funny story around that. We actually had the cool ship completely fabricated like to our design specs. But, you know, the city of Portland had never seen anything like this. And of course, except, at, except in the cattle fields. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, no one in the beer industry had seen one of these in the US. So right. um, we didn't know how the city was going to handle it code-wise. Handle it code-wise. So we actually we built the building to house it and mm -hmm. we designed it so the you know the building had like a knee wall at about four feet, and then everything above it, we could actually hook a crane up to and like pick it up and set it aside. So what we did is we built it and got it inspected for I think we put like a lawnmower in it and said, yeah, this is a shed to hold like lawnmowers <laughs> and put a couple of rakes and hose in it and got it approved. And then we picked the top up, put the cool ship in it and, uh, <laughs> you know, put some stained glass windows on it because I mean, obviously it would have probably raised eyebrows if they're like, well, why do you have stained glass windows in yeah. a shed? You know, so. <laughs> We got to You got to let the mold in and out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course. Well, before we just start yapping away, it is our privilege and honor to have Rob Todd here, the founder of Allagash Brewing in Maine, just a legendary uh, Belgian-style brewery, one of the OGs. Rob, thank you for coming on BeerNet Radio, the podcast where all your dreams come true. We're sitting here also with Jen Kirk and Jordan Driggers and myself, Harry Shoemaker. So guys, I know you may be wondering, Harry, why are you in a hotel room? Where are you? Well, I normally like to keep these things mysterious, but I will tell you that I am in Austin, Texas, staying at the Van Zant Hotel on Rainy Street, where we has been, which has been the scene of ten drownings in the last twenty months, and they they're calling it the Rainy Street. What do they call it? The Rainy Street Stripper or dr gr Ripper. Ripper? Ripper. The Rainy, Rainy Street Ripper. Ripper. <laughs> Yeah, and and I love that Austin PD is just like it's just drunk people drowning in the lake. And I'm here to prove that wrong. I'm also speaking at a beatbox thing tomorrow. So uh, that's why I'm here. But really, Rob, I wanted to start by saying that you're a real trooper. Uh, Rob's been coming to our Beer, Wine, and Spirit Summit for years, and he doesn't come for the content. He doesn't come for the socializing or the networking. He comes because it's always near an ocean. 
And I know you're an avid surfer and you came to our summit in January in San Diego and uh, you showed up like a homeless man. Can you tell what, what happened? <laughs> what happened in San Diego that he showed up without any cash? We, you had to borrow money. What, what's going on? What happened? So first of all, I do show up at the conference for the content and to hear your <laughs> wisdom and insight. And for the, I really do. It's a, it's an amazing okay. conference, but I'm going to be honest, like it is a selling point when you live in Maine. I mean, it's something like 17 degrees outside right now. When, when you leave in, when you live in Maine, you have an opportunity to either go to Palm Beach or Coronado, you, you know, an expensive trip. You're probably going to snap it up. So it up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to lie that it, that is a big selling point, <laughs> but yeah, my, it was a, it was a disruptive trip for sure. This last time. So I, I tried to work in a little additional business, um, on that particular trip. And I came out two days early to work with our distribution partners, uh, Reyes, who we've uh, recently moved to back in uh, April of 2023. So I figured I'll just go out a couple of days early and spend some time with that crew um, at their Gardino location, their uh, Huntington Beach location. I had a couple of great days with them. And then I had Saturday off before the Sunday conference. So I figured I'd shoot down from Huntington Beach down to San Diego and pick up a surfboard, um, which I own that my buddy Rick uh, from Coronado um, stores for oh, me. I know. And so you, you surfer guys, y'all keep each other's boards. It's a cute, that's a cool community. It's cute. Well, it's a, it's a it's tight, so knit, cute. it's a tight knit community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Rick Chapman, he keeps my board from, so I showed up, I picked up my board. I had a couple of beers with Rick and then I was anxious to get to the beach and I had all my bags in the car. Luckily I first drove to my hotel, uh, checked into my hotel and then just shot right to the beach and, um, you know, I drove into the beach in a minivan that fit my board and had Oregon plates. And, you know, apparently I'm sure someone was watching me the whole time because anyway, I parked, I changed into my wetsuit, um, and then looked around, made sure no one was looking and did what surfers have done for decades, which is hide their keys up in the springs, you know, in the suspension under the, under the hood. And so I hid the keys Went out, you know, had a blissful one hour enjoying the California surf and beautiful weather. Uh, and then the sun started going down. So I went back to the beaches at Tourmaline Beach and uh, set my board down, looked up in the springs. And I was like, uh-oh, I, I don't see the keys. And I mean, I knew right then I was screwed. But there was, I had hope that maybe they had fallen off the springs or I had put it under the other wheel. But no, long story short... Um, they were, you know, someone was watching it. Turns out I was something like the fifth or sixth car this has happened to in, in the, you know, since between Christmas and your conference. And they basically unlocked the car, stole my wallet, my phone, my prescription glasses, and oddly enough, my chapstick. And then to add insult to injury, they locked my car chapstick. and left with the keys. So I Why? 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 I don't know. That? I don't know if... If they were just being, you know, nasty Dicks. or yeah, <laughs> my, my guess is it was for practical reasons. They were probably trying to delay me being able to do things like cancel my card and, you know, get my, just start getting my life back together. So, right. you know, I, so I'm standing there, the sun's going down, I'm shivering in my wetsuit. I can't get in my car. So anyway, this wonderful woman and her daughter kind of took me under her arms and she let me use her phone and her daughter's phone and, 
you know, I had to call the rental car company and they had to break into the car and I got my clothes out. Um, I knew my stuff wasn't going to be in there, which it wasn't. And, you know, she stayed with me for an hour for that. And then she drove me to my hotel room. She even offered to loan me her daughter's iPhone because I have an iPhone. And I was like, you know what? I've got a 16 year old daughter. And if I <laughs> took her phone like, for even an hour, it would be way worse than the situation I'm in right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, so anyway, uh, luckily, I mean, I never traveled with my laptop, but this was one of three trips probably in the last two years that I had my laptop. So I had my laptop. I luckily had a spare pair of glasses miraculously. Um, I had a couple hundred bucks in my in my suitcase, but, you know, it was just it was a nightmare. And then I had to, you know, I had to get a ride to the airport the next day, rent a car without a driver's license, which, you know, took a couple hours get an iPhone without ID. It was, it was tough. And then, so luckily uh, the bank of Kimberly helped me. When I got <laughs> yeah. I heard. The bank uh, of so I, I saw Kimberly, we're talking about Kimberly Clements of pints and she goes, did you hear what happened to Rob? And I was like, no. And she goes, I had to lend him a thousand dollars or something. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? And I can't, you know, I, I can't imagine being away from your, I mean, as far away from your hometown as you can get in the continental United States with no phone, no ID, no money. Uh, you feel so naked. Literally, you were naked. I mean, uh, how you did do. you You really do. I mean, and the thing is, you don't know anyone's phone number anymore. Right. I, I, I thank heavens. I, I obviously know my wife's cell phone number. So I started calling her and she wasn't picking up the phone. And then I was like, of course, she's not picking up the phone. It's a 619, you know, San Diego number. She's never seen in her life. So, and I didn't know how to text from this woman's Android phone. So then she landed, handed me her daughter's phone. I said, you know, Betsy, please call this number. You know, I've had my wallet and my phone stolen. I'm in a parking lot in Tourmaline Beach. And she called me right back. And um, obviously, he and the team at the brewery were a huge help in me, you know, getting cards canceled and getting things kind of starting to piece things back together. Wow. But yeah, you really do. You feel naked and violated. And yeah, it was a wow. It was and a you know, to your credit, and you know, maybe this is because the content at the summit's so good, but you stayed, <laughs> you stayed for the whole conference. I with, wouldn't mess you know, it. I wouldn't you wouldn't miss it. miss it for the world. Yeah. And I didn't have the distraction. I wasn't one of those people in the audience looking at my phone. Checking your you phone, know, text, yeah. Yeah. Right. I had nothing yeah. to look at. <laughs> you had to actually listen to the content. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it's not great. It's horrible. <laughs> it was I mean, I can't even imagine. Uh, but we're glad that you you made it through it and what a story. But yeah. listen, Rob, uh I've I have i have known you for so long and you're just everybody loves Allagash. Like right, Jen, have you ever heard anybody say like bad things? I've heard bad things about every single supplier distributor in the world, but you just don't hear that about Allagash. That's a tribute to, you know, your reputation you know you just have a great reputation so anyway I'll, yeah I, we, you know that reputation it's our team we have an amazing team 150 like just unbelievably passionate employees that just do an amazing job with what they do and you know we really uh value our relationships and we've had some you know we've been in business now for three decades and we've had a lot of our relationships have gone back that that far so um, yeah. I'm glad to hear you've had good, you've heard good feedback on the, yeah. on the oh, beer absolutely. and the brand. Yeah. So Jen, what do we yeah. got for Rob today? 
Well, you know, Harry, that was a good segue because, you know, Rob, you are an anomaly and Allagash is an anomaly in a lot of ways for a top 50 craft brewer, right? I think you guys did 120,000 barrels last year. Um, but, you know, you're only in about half the states. Um, you just started a year-round IPA last year for the first time. And I think, you know, up until COVID, your mix was like 70% on-premise. And that's flipped, of course, since COVID. But um, it just, you know, completely different, which is really cool. Uh, but, of course, it's trying times in craft right now. So I'm curious, like, generally, what's your playbook like for this year? So, you know, and I'll try to keep most of my answers brief, but I think this one almost needs a little bit of a preface. I mean, the last four years have been like very turbulent years, um, especially for us, like in terms of the profound impact COVID had on us. Um, when COVID hit, and I really consider the day it hit March 16th, and that was the day that our distributors canceled all their draft orders, you know, we were nearly 70% draft on that day. We were about 65% draft, 35% package. Um, and I'll note on the package side, we just started doing uh, cans on a, we had just started doing cans on a small scale, um, you know, prior to COVID, just four pack, 16 ounce uh, cans. Yep. Um, but, you know, really the only... Uh, off-premise package you could buy Allagash White was a four-pack glass bottle. That was it on the shelf. We just delivered to very, very few occasions. Um, but, you know, COVID hit, we're 65% draft, and we sell the bulk of our beer in urban markets, Philly, D.C., New York, Boston, Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, basically a laundry list of, of cities that shut down. So our business, like, literally ground to a halt on that day. Uh, you know, I spent that day just figuring out how long our cash was going to last. I, I won't get into this part of the story, but I ended up with COVID that night. I ended up with 104 and a half fever that night, all of a on sudden. On March 16th? Yep. Yeah. Wow. I had been traveling two days before the woman next to me on the plane was sick and- uh, Early adopter. Yeah. I was an early adopter. Yeah. So- That so was Jordan. Jordan got yeah. it right, right then you? too. Yeah, yeah. At the constellation meeting, and I rode yeah. back with him. I didn't get it, as far as I know. The it was Corona conference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had a fever for 16 days, so it was, <sighs> and I was working, you know, 12 to 16 hour days, just kind of figuring things out. But um, luckily, about two years prior to COVID, we we really uh, thought the time was right to, for us to take advantage of the opportunity um, we had to develop the package side of this business. And we decided to expand our building footprint, put a high-speed canning line in. We knew it was a two-year project. We were literally putting the last bolts in the canning line in, in February of 2020, right before COVID hit. So when COVID hit, we put our heads together and really decided um, we needed to take what really was a three or four year plan to build the package side of the business, which was, uh, you know, restructuring our sales team to include a chain team, um, restructuring just logistics and supply chain, you know, everything um, to really grow the package side of the business. And we figured out a way to basically take a three or four year plan and squeeze it into only about three months. And our distributor partners, retail partners were amazing. They were under pressure at the time, but they agreed um, to help us really survive this, take in a, a bunch of new items. You know, that's when we rolled out 12 packs of white. That's when we rolled out um, 
uh, 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 12 packs of the river trip. Uh, we just rolled out a, a number of new items. 19 twos were new. And uh, we rolled out a number of new packages for new experiences, a, a number of new um, beer lines. And really in about a year and a half, we doubled the package side of our business. So you fast forward to today, we're no longer a 65-35 mix. We're about a 50-50 mix. Okay. Draft didn't quite get back to where it was, you know, as we all know, pre-pandemic, but it, you know, recovered to almost 90% and we doubled the size of our package business. So we went from 100,000 barrels pre-COVID to just just shy of 120,000 barrels today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, Sam Caligioni on recently and I was asking him about, you know, there's a lot of breweries shutting down and things we haven't seen a growth year in craft in a couple of years. And, you know, I was asking him about this moment in craft and he likened it to crab, uh, crafts, hermit crab moment, right. Where you've got these hermit crabs scurrying around, you know, oh, look, here's a bigger shell. Let me go ahead and get in there. You know, because the other craft guy has abandoned it. He can't use it anymore. <laughs> what do you say? Is that like the defining thing of this moment? Or what do you think about the state of craft right now? And does it worry you? I mean, you know, there's a there's a bunch now. Does it worry me? No. I mean, do we have to be, you know, recognize what's going on in the industry right now and the fact that it has matured, which I mean, we all knew it was coming, right? You can't grow uh, anything double digits eternally. At some point, sure. you're going to get maturity and things are going to kind of flatten out and the trajectory is going to be changed, going to change. So does it worry me? No. Do we have to uh, run our businesses much differently than we did pre-COVID? Absolutely. And I thought it was a great analogy that Sam had. And, it, you know, it, unless I'm misinterpreting what he was saying, it happened just in Portland today. A new brewery opened up in town in the space yeah where another brewery had closed down just a few months prior. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot of that. I think we're going to start seeing, and we are seeing, um, a lot of roll-ups where one brewery might buy a neighboring brewery in, in the same town, in the same region, maybe even shut that production facility down and just bring the brand into their facility and, and, and consolidate operations. So um, I would, I, I think we're going to see a lot, you know, assuming I'm interpreting what Sam was saying correctly, I, I absolutely think we're going to be seeing a lot of that. A lot of recapitalization, really. Yeah, that's you know, what it is. It, it's yeah. whoever has cash or has credit somewhere enough to get it rolling again, then they, you know, there's a lot of iron out there. We don't need new iron. When I say iron, I'm talking about brewery equipment. I know yeah. that's iron because iron rust, but you <laughs> know what I, you know, <laughs> daily, there's just a lot of, a uh, lot of, a lot of iron out there. And yeah. uh, whoever uh, has uh, some cash is king. People um, are going to be able to get equipment for pennies on the dollar. T two years ago, if you wanted to buy a 20 barrel kind of soup to nut system with a brew house and tanks, you might have had to uh you might have had to wait two years you know or at least a year for the equipment there was a long queue um now i mean yeah. not a week passes where i don't see at least a couple equipment auctions yeah, yeah, right. yeah. It's interesting how are your uh business plans then changing this year or are they right you're still leaning into allagash white um you know you guys have that ipa has that gone like you expected we see a ton of continued uh, opportunity with the white. I mean, for the last three years, we haven't seen um, a, a ton of growth. 
Um, some of that to an extent has been kind of by design because again, we had so such profound change during COVID going from 100 to 120,000 barrels and really building our off-premise um, business, not from scratch, but, but nearly um, from scratch. But, you know, if you look at our business in 2023, we had a lot of change on the on the distribution front over over 25 or well, over 20%, um, depending on how you look at it, you could say 25, but really over 20% of our distribution business changed hands in just an eight month period between March and December of 2023. Um, we had a distribution change in California. Uh, we just moved to the Reyes network there. We work with Reyes in a number of other markets in Florida and DC, Northern Virginia, Chicago. Um, we're really looking forward to, to working with them in California. We have a great relationship with them. Um, the uh, Sheehan family companies, as you know, sold their New Jersey operation. You know, we'll miss doing business with them. We have an amazing relationship with them. Um, but uh, we moved to a network of AB houses in, in New Jersey. We think there's huge opportunity there. We moved to a network of AB houses when the Sheehan family companies sold Maryland. And again, we'll miss working with them there, but we see opportunity with the AB network that we switched to. But the uh, uh, long story short with that is those changes are disruptive. I mean, to have 20% of your footprint uh, switch switch ownership, um, you know, we need to uh, relook at uh, how we engage with contacts and, and form new relationships, how we handle logistics. We went from really four warehouses in those three states to uh, 30 warehouses in those in those three states. So we're, we're just learning the logistics and, you know, there's gonna be a period of, of, of optimizing and, um, and, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that these new relationships can deliver. So we think there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, and, you know, we feel like there's a lot of opportunities reaching new customers. Uh, in 2024, we're doing some things we've never done before. We're actually going to be buying, I think it's 10 billboards around Dodger Stadium in LA. You know, you, you've been able to buy our beer uh, historically in Dodger Stadium. Um, presumably, we're, you know, we're working on making sure that it's available this next year. But, you know, we've never reached people through a, through a medium like that. Um, we're really excited to be working with the Boston Celtics this winter. We're doing advertisements Um with, uh, I think his name is Mike uh, Mike Gorman. He's a real uh, beloved announcer. Uh, he's been announcing for the Celtics a couple decades. So we're working with, with him um, to run some advertisements during Celtics games. We're doing the same thing for 14 Red Sox games. So we we still see a huge amount of additional opportunity to grow Allegash White in our existing footprint. Um, despite the headwinds in the industry. And, you know, I, I think uh, in in climates like this, I mean, we all know beer has been down for the last couple decades, year over year. Craft has matured and, the, you know, the growth isn't, isn't there, but strong brands are absolutely going to be able to continue to grow in a, in a climate like this. And um, we feel like in our distributor and retail partners and, and customers, they feel like our brand is strong. They've got a lot of confidence in the brand, and and we think we think there's opportunity. When when you did that uh, distribution change, I'm assuming you were coming from a wine spirits houses and, and mm -hmm. going into beer houses, and then and you went with uh, 
you know, AB and with Reyes in certain markets and some, like you said, AB distributors, is that because they just have a lighter book and, and get more focus? You know, we do it by territory. Um, we do, like the 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 Sheehan's were good enough on the East Coast to allow us to do our due diligence. And their plan was to sell to the AB network in both Maryland and New Jersey. We did our due diligence and we absolutely agreed with them that that was the best place for us in in that market. And in California, our, our distributor sold. And, you know, again, we have a phenomenal relationship with the Reyes group in, in all those markets I just I just mentioned. And um we just see a ton of opportunity working with them in the state of California. And you know, I I love California. I'm there a lot. You know, my my mom grew up there, my cousins live there. I've been going there all my life, you know. I I love to surf, you know, when I could get out there, even though I'm a terrible surfer, you know, I love it. And so I'm personally going to be there uh, supporting them in their efforts. So right. we see a ton of opportunity there. Cool. We got to get you a waterproof beer business daily fanny pack to wear when you surf in California. Hey, hook me up. Yeah. Hook yeah. me up. <laughs> a BBD wetsuit. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. And, you know, I'll also add before COVID, we were very, very limited with Allagash White's 80% of our business. Yeah. We were very limited with occasions. We, of course, had on-premise occasions with, with draft um, and some on-premise bottle placements, but we were very limited with off-premise. You can only get Allagash White in a four-pack, 12-ounce bottle. Mm -hmm. Now we have Allagash White for essentially every occasion, and we still haven't finished developing those occasions. You can get Allagash White now, six-pack bottle, 12-ounce uh, um, six pack glass, uh, 12 ounce, six pack wrapped can, uh, 12 ounce, 12 pack wrapped can. And then of course, in 19, two, uh, in 2023, we were up 23 actually percent, um, with our 19 twos. And, um, we've got some, uh, we got a great relationship with, uh, with some, uh, convenience, some players in the convenience channel like Cumberland Farms and, and Circle K. We have an amazing relationship with Hannaford. And um, we've done a lot of work with them developing that 19-2 channel. And I think we're just we're just getting started. So um, we really just are getting rolling with br bringing new drinking occasions or bringing Allagash White to drinking occasions that didn't exist just a couple of years ago for our customers. Listen, if you're when you're selling tall boys, it's always good to be with a beer distributor, to get into those C stores, to get into those coolers, merchandise. It's a, there's a lot of growth in singles these days. It's no doubt, but that's great. I, that I, I imagine you were exhausted. I mean, transforming your business that quickly, you know, in three months, just going from a keg business, which, you know, going from packages, just so much more costly and, and complicated, you know, as you know, so it's, well, you do get the kegs back, so that's complex, but you know what I'm saying? It's just a, oh, yeah. it's harder business to break in. So well done. Yeah. You got to relearn, you, you got to, or not relearn, you got to learn a lot of facets of the business. We had to learn a lot of facets of the business very, very quickly. And we did, I mean, we executed very, very well. Yeah. You, you got to ramp up your chain sales, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that... you, you know, you mentioned Hopreach too. I mean, oh, right. uh, Hop Hopreach, that rollout's gone great. I mean, it's, you know, we didn't 
expect it to, you know, overnight be a hundred thousand uh, barrel a year, a hundred thousand barrel a year plus brand that that Allagash White is. But um, you know, again, when we look at drinking opportunities, we didn't have anything for that opportunity. IPA is, I don't, you know, depending on how you measure it, it's fifty percent of craft ish. You know, to use to use round numbers, we didn't have anything year round in that space. And we worked for about a year on that beer, and the brewing team just, you know, the whole production team. Uh, did an amazing uh, job developing that. And we were really looking to do, we didn't really want to necessarily go after a, a particular trend like hazy or, you know, New England IPA. We wanted something timeless. We wanted something that maybe would have been relevant 15 years ago where we brewing it and something that will be relevant 15 years from now. Um, it was the number one uh, new, let me see, I, I wrote this down because I always... Oh yeah, the the number one new craft item in New England food, and and that's Nielsen through through twelve thirty. So we were very happy with the release, and we've we really find it has legs when it's placed next to the white because I mean obviously people know us for the white, they associate the brand Allagash with white, and when it's next kind of merchandised and marketed. Um, like literally and figuratively next to the white, we really find it has traction and um, we're really finding it does have a lot of traction up in New England. Yeah. Um, Rob, y'all are a craft brewer through and through. And I guess you said, you mentioned earlier that you're doing some things you've never done before. And I kind of wanted to lean in on that theme. And I'm just curious, you know, I'm pretty sure y'all have never done anything in Beyond Beer, but what's the closest you ever got to doing something in that category? I mean, has a seltzer, spirits, F&B ever crossed your mind? So we haven't done anything in Beyond Beer in the broader market, um, but we, we have a very strong tasting room business. We get over 100,000 people a year that come to visit us here at the brewery. You know, it's amazing tasting room experience. We have it uh, on the other side of our campus. We have the seller's experience, which is like a deep dive curated um, tasting and sometimes tasting and pairing experience. Um, we're starting to do events. We launch an a, a events program. So we see a lot of opportunity um, there. And we actually we're, we're doing um, some uh, some we got some really cool projects going on like outside of beer. We've got our winery license. And we've been making a lot of blueberry wines. You know, blueberries obviously very associated with Maine. Um, and we've been doing a bunch of different blueberry blend wines. Uh, we've been doing some ciders and, and blending the blueberry wine with, with the ciders. You know, the cider we make is amazing. We've been doing uh, stainless age ciders, barrel age ciders. And we've been offering those for uh, well over a year here at the tasting room. Um, in terms of uh, broader rollout, um, we're really just continuing to focus on on uh, on continuing to build and take advantage of opportunities with white. I'll get to a seasonal re release in a little bit. Um, but in terms of seltzers, that's nothing we've really that's I don't think that's anything we'd be interested in. Um, we don't feel like it would be a cultural fit here at at the brewery. Um, obviously we all know what the, what the trends are with seltzers right now. Uh, we've never made spirits here. 
Um, I'm not saying we wouldn't make spirits at some point in the future, but again, I, we really try to focus on, uh, we're going to be focusing on, on, uh, taking advantage of the growth opportunities that we see, that we see with beer and nothing and nothing on the, um, on the, uh, uh, CBD, THC, what are they? <laughs> D9 or whatever. D9, yeah. Delta, sure? Delta nine. Yeah. That you're not going <laughs> to see anything like that from us. Um, anytime soon if ever yeah, yeah. How about but like i'll just I, I never beer. say never but not anytime <laughs> soon yeah yeah um we have been we have been experimenting a little bit with hop water yeah um just to have a non-alcoholic offering and um i won't you know spill the beans too much into the direction we're going with that but um i'm excited about it and our team has come up with some uh, with some pretty cool, like unique flavors in the hop pop water space. So you might see something like that. It, 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 you know, at the very least rolled out in our tasting room. Uh, so we can get feedback from visitors here at, at the brewery. I love hop water. I think it's so underdeveloped. It's I, I drink hop water every day and, uh, I was drinking C4 every day, you know, no, <laughs> no, don't mean to drag C4. It's a perfectly great beverage, but it, it just, hot water just seems healthier. You know, it's more of my, I love, I, I love it. Too. I agree. I love it. I think it's a cool, it's a cool segment yeah. for sure. What is, are, are you guys are a B Corp. Is that right? We are. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know how many B Corp certified breweries there are in the country. I, I can't imagine there's 20. If there's more than 20, it's probably only, you know, a couple more than 20 out of, out of 10,000. There aren't too many. But we first obtained that certification back in 2019. And, you know, basically what it is, is it's a third party certification. It is not easy to get at all. It is a um, very extensive. I mean, this, you know, the, the, kind of assessment that you need to take. It's somewhere between 50 and 100 pages. And it literally delves into every facet of your operation. And with this certification, um, it, it essentially certifies that when you make decisions with your business, you are not just considering your shareholders, but you're considering your stakeholders. And your stakeholders being the community, the environment, and your, your employees. Um, and you know, we, we had been interested in that B Corp certification and we had been talking about it for a number of years before we got certified in, in, in 2019, because a lot of the tenants of this certification were things that have been important to me since day one. I mean, all these things, considering the environment, considering the community, um, treating our employees, um, well, those have been all things that we've, you know, I've prioritized, um, and that we've done a lot of work with. So it really seemed like a very, very natural fit. Um, I honestly thought we'd skate right through to an easy certification, but we, it, just to show you how hard it is or to show us how hard it is, we, I, we, we barely qualified. You need to score at least 80 out of 200 points. And I think our first round, we got about 80, 82 points. And when we were going through that process, we just saw a ton of opportunities not just to improve our score, because I don't look at it as just, you know, a purely a score driven thing. But the way I look at it as if our score is getting better, we're we're doing better. We're running our business better. We're more effective running our business. And 
um, from 2019 to when we got recertified about a year ago, our score increased dramatically to over a hundred. Um, so we're, we're very proud of that. We can't continue making strides on all those fronts. And you know what? Like, uh, it, it's funny because I would even say just five years ago in, in 2019, um, we didn't see as much interest in that work, uh, the community environment, you know, employees, the, the stakeholder work on the part of our customers, distributors, retailers. But we are seeing a ton of interest now on, on that front. So that certification is really something that's resonating with our customers, whether it's distributors, retailers, and customers. And so we're, we're putting it on a package. I got our... Um, yeah, I got our our new seasonal release here, which we can talk about in a little bit. But it's got the C, the B Corp emblem right on it. We're including it on our white beer package now because it's it's really that's resonating with our customers, and the when the work we're doing on a number of other fronts is resonating with our customers. Things like uh, back in 2016, we announced this initiative, and honestly, I didn't think we'd actually be able to do this, but we said by 2021, five years we would be buying 1 million pounds of main grain and main processed, uh, main grown and main processed and packaged grains, barley, oats, wheat. And at the time we were buying about 50,000 pounds a year. And so we sat down with farmers in the state of Maine and we put together this plan to work it up to a million pounds of main grain. And like we did it and we didn't do it to sell more beer. Um, we knew it would cost us more money, but it was just, it was so aligned values wise with our culture and why we're in business. Um, but, you know, that's been something that's been like very engaging for our distributor retailer uh, partners, you know, absolutely. And um, we did hit 1 million pounds in December of 2021. We hit the million pounds. Last year, we got up to 1.9 million pounds. So a lot of this work, this B Corp related work, it, it really is resonating in ways that I never could have imagined five years ago. It right. wasn't why we did it in the first place, but we're we're going to be talking about it more and more. I mean, it is. I I've heard that it's very difficult to get, and it. But it seems, you know, like you said, it seems like you were already doing a lot of that. I mean, that's the impression I get from the outside looking at Allagash over the years that integrity and, and taking care of your employees in the community is is important. That's why I'm here in Austin trying to solve these murders. Um, <laughs> I so, didn't hear about that. That's, oh, that's yeah. concerning to say the least. Uh, the inept APD is saying that there's nothing to see here, but that's why I'm here with my investigative journalism uh, props. You can <laughs> see I have my electric one wheel behind me. I will be, have you ever seen this movie, uh, Paul Bart, the mall cop? I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. That's me. I'll yeah, the guy from on. King of Queens. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was wondering what that thing was. Like to no, be I, honest, I, oh. that's a scary thought. You yeah. running around <laughs> on one of those anywhere? Oh, it, trust me, it was put there deliberately. Hoping I was just like that was planted. Yeah, yeah, I was hoping somebody would comment on it. I don't just leave my one wheels around on couches like that. It's rude. It's rude. So, oh, All right. Lord. Well, let's hear about that uh, the uh, seasonal play, Rob. Yeah, yeah. So this is a this is a first for us. And again, it like uh, it, it's in terms of opportunity on the beer front for us. So it's our first year round seasonal. We were 
originally looking at, you know, all seasonals are four seasons, right? But we don't really have a spring here in Maine. It goes right from <laughs> basically freezing your ass off one day to being Sweating. warm the next day. So we're, we're just doing, we're keeping it simple and doing three seasons. The first, someone actually just put this on my, I know this isn't video, like the actual broadcast, but you can see it. Someone put uh, just a sample of the cans that just came in for the summer seasonal, but you know, it's based on our house series. So we have surf house uh, for the summer. It's a lager, real refreshing lager, five and a half percent, real just drinkable, sessionable lager. Obviously, lager is a, a very, very relevant style right now. Mm -hmm. So we're pumped for this. This is gonna be available in the summer. Um, for the fall release, we have a beer we've been making for, I I want to say almost 10 years now, at least seven or eight years called Haunted House. Okay. And it, yeah, it's a stout. It's a little over 6% stout. Um, and just year over year, that beer, even though it's just kind of a one-off release, it has grown year over year over year. So we're, we're, we uh, inserted that into our seasonal series. It will no longer just be a one-off. And then in the winter, we've got Ski House. And uh, that's going it, to, it's kind of loosely based on the Allagash White, just a higher ABV version. It's a little over 7%. It's spiced with ginger. Um, so it's going to be a real nice, real nice winter beer. And, you know, as you can see from the labels, really cool labels, kind of playful labels. Um, they definitely integrate, they will integrate very well on the shelf with the rest of our brand lineup, but they're different. They're a little more playful. And yeah, it's our first, it's our first foray into like a true seasonal, something that's going to be on the shelf at all times. Yeah. And if yeah. and it goes right into your surfing hobby, so it's authentic. This isn't just people playing like they surf or pretending that that's they're. My, that's a rendition of my surfboard right on the can there. <laughs> oh, yeah. See that? That looks nice. <laughs> wow. And by the way, Rob, this is a video podcast. So we get about half the people that actually watch it. So. Yeah, uh, right. But yeah. you look great. So perfect. And yeah. these headphones are huge. Our marketing department supplied me no, with these. So like, we call those like cans. We call them cans in the industry. Yeah. yeah. So, I guarantee so, you, Harry's going to ship us some of just those headphones. You know what's funny is they, these these guys make fun of me because I ship them dongles all the time, attachments <laughs> to make sure everything works. And I came to Austin without a dongle, not one dongle to my name. And so I'm I'm sitting Come to here my with, house, Harry. I got I know, a bag I'm, of dongles. <laughs> a bag of dongles. I might have to, Jim, because this computer does not have charging ability without a dongle. Oh, but uh, well, good. Yeah. Well, uh, Jen, do we have anything else? Or well, I think the last obvious question is just about you know, uh, long time you know chief sales officer mm. Naomi left recently. You know, love her, but you guys have another uh, vet stepping up to take her place, and I think it's Josh Fruchtman. Is that how you say his name? That is <laughs> how you say it. And he yeah. just started officially in that role this month, right? How's that going? He has, I mean, it's going great so far. I mean, we're obviously going to gonna miss the heck out of Naomi. She was here for, you know, about 14 years. I personally hired her. I knew her for a number of years before. You know, she just made some amazing contributions here. Incredibly hard, like dedicated, passionate worker. I mean, you know, you know, Naomi, oh, she's yeah. great. Um, yeah. uh, but Josh has been at the company for, I think, seven or so years um, he's, he's spent the bulk of the last few years just working on the key accounts, the chain side of the business. And, you know, he was 
really largely responsible and at the helm for doubling the size of the package side of our business. So he's got a lot of experience on that side. And again, I think we have a tremendous amount of opportunity there. Um, so he he's had a, he's had a lot of experience in different facets of sales at the brewery. You know, he wouldn't be doing it unless I had a ton of confidence in him in that role. And he's he's really just just getting started. He's only been um, on his own in that role. I don't even think for for two months now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, and I'm sure he's going to be uh, rethinking some things, bringing some new ideas. I I think we have a, a ton of opportunity here at the brewery to integrate sales with other facets of this business. I mean, a perfect example is just uh, what we're doing on the community and the sustainability front. Our customers want to hear about that. You know, how do we integrate our sales team with the team here that's doing work um, on the sustainability side of the business? How do we integrate our sales team with our our marketing efforts? We're doing a lot, I mentioned, on the marketing front with billboards and advertisements um, in the Boston area with the the Celtics and and with the Red Sox. So he's going to be doing a lot of work. Um, integrating that sales team um, with with uh, other facets of the of the company, um, and he's going to do a lot of work just I- integrating the sales team itself. How do we integrate the the chain key accounts team with with the field team? And uh, he he's both of both Josh and I see see a ton of opportunity there. Right. Cool. Yeah. We well, remember when you, me, and Naomi. It was like last year, I think we had. Uh, dinner at a seafood restaurant where was that I, man i can it was in was it was it in las vegas i can say probably no because uh, was it oh no, no i it wasn't like it gosh was it chicago it was chicago it was chicago it was yeah i don't remember why we were there oh it was man all... what, what's that place called again yeah i forget God, the like name too of it. old it was, yeah. well, that's a steak it house. was something oh. crab or uh, i don't know why I joe stone crab no 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 this one not this, oh. it wasn't a chain it, this is no like a, oh no jen uh, we wouldn't eat it yeah, i mean chen. come on Chicago. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah yeah it was a chili's um, yeah. oh don't pretend like you're above a chili <laughs> no i listen, personally know better no you you put a triple dipper in front of me it's gonna be gone <laughs> they're a good yeah. customer of ours yeah, well, yeah, yeah absolutely so, no shade on on chilies yeah man. They, they they are great no yeah. I, I i thought that was I, I i think kimberly was with us and i don't know it was um yeah it was like me you kimberly and naomi i think yeah this is a terrible story fun. because i, I something I funny <laughs> happened but i can't remember what it was we're just like old men that can't remember what happened a year ago but um i know i remember something really funny too but i don't remember yeah. what the heck it was <laughs> wow, guys. i think it might have had something to do with paying yeah it is a but quality content know. on this podcast yeah. guys Lay yeah. off the D nine bevs, okay? Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Well, good. Well, <laughs> okay. Rob, thank you so much for for being on the podcast. Um, really sounds like you guys have got through your trial of fire after COVID. You're hitting on all cylinders now. I think it's great. You've got your distributor transfer behind you, and uh, you know, I I said this at the summit. I really do think think things are looking up, even for craft beer in the U.S. I think. I think this is going to be a good year. I think there was a lot of perfect storm elements that came in to everybody just having a real shitty year last year. And I think those are 
not all behind us, but a lot of it's behind us with with pricing and seltzers and well everything inventory. So anyway, not to get into another speech. Just thank you for being on, and uh, you know what? I'll see you down the road at the next conference. I'm sure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Take care.